Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. This is going to be episode 13. I originally had a, uh, a full episode 13 all put together, ready to go, all my notes were ready, and uh, I was doing a couple other things and got a couple of emails and some, some uh, messages came in and I thought, you know, it might make sense to kind of redirect and do something a little different here. So... First thing I want to say is I'm, I'm broadcasting live right now from the uh, uh, the van down by the river. Uh, I'm actually in my my RV right now at the apiary doing some work down here, and I have taken the show on the road, so I've got all my gear and equipment here. I have no excuses. Last time my, my excuse was actually pretty valid when I was here. I didn't have a microphone, which is kind of a bit of a showstopper. But this time I've completely got my act together, ready to go, and uh, I am... Absolutely exhausted. I'm completely smoked. I've been working all day today, but I really, really want to get this out because there's so much on my mind and a lot of things I'm I'm seeing, doing, experiencing, and I just want to pass it on to everybody and talk about several things. So first off, there is some kind of a bird here outside. I don't know what's going on. It's about almost 11 o'clock at night, and you'll probably hear them in the background. So it's just I had to get this done now because it's supposed to be in the 90s tomorrow, I think. And uh, if I turn on the generator to have AC and everything, you won't hear anything over the air conditioner. So anyway, moving on here. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is I wanted to thank everybody from from the bottom of my heart I for all of the reviews. I, I really didn't even look for reviews. I was just kind of putting things out there and just having fun with it. And I... I got an email from one of these companies that's trying to sell me on uh, a service they offer. And it had a link in there to some of the reviews. And I started reading them. And so I was really happy to, to see the feedback. And, and thank you very, very much. So it's, it's really cool to know that the messaging is getting out there and it's resonating with people. And 
hopefully they're getting some value from it. So that's, that's pretty awesome for me. This whole podcast was, it, it's kind of a little bit outside of my swim lane. I, you know, I'm not an AV guy, really. I don't, it's just not my skill set. Only person I've ever known in my life who knew anything about particularly audio was my granddad. He used to own a, a business that he started back in the fifties and he used to uh, put a lot of sound systems out for like um, if there was a outdoor event going on of some sort, or maybe like a county fair or anything that, that needed, you know, sound audio, then they kind of branched out into decorating. He started doing like uh, Christmas, Christmas decorations and shopping centers and things. And then they started doing, a lot of other work, but they actually decorated the uh, uh, Memorial Stadium where the Baltimore Orioles used to play years ago. They decorated that. I think it was like the 80 or 81 World Series. You can see the banners that they they decorated there. But yeah, they had a lot of cool things going on. But he's the only person I knew who really knew, you know, AV pretty pretty well. And it's one of those things where you look back in life and you you kind of regret maybe not paying attention as much because he had all this stuff down in his basement, like all this speakers and sound mixers and different things. And the only thing I honestly remember is he had this high speed dubber and I could just bring in a bunch of blanks and my cassettes and be like, Hey grandpa, would you mind making copies? And you know, anybody who's, who grew up like in the, in the seventies, eighties, nineties kind of time frame, probably more seventies and eighties, I guess you, you know what it's like when you had to like put a cassette in and press play and have the other, if you were lucky enough to have a dual headed, you know, dual cassette, you had to push the play on the one and push record on the other and then play it all the way through before you actually had a copy. So the one that my granddad had, he just dropped them both in, switch it over to high-speed dub, and like 10 or 15 seconds, you're done. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, a little sidebar there. But the other thing I wanted to talk about, too, is listener emails. I get a lot of emails, and originally when the messages were coming in, I would just respond back and say, hey, yeah, you know, try this or, or get, you know, give that a shot or you know, just make a couple suggestions and, and that was about it. But the volume of them is, is actually increasing quite a bit and they're they're really good questions. I'm not getting, you know, silly, off-the-wall, weird things. Like everything is, is you know, legitimate, you know, good questions that I'm getting. So by all means, please keep, keep sending them because I'm having a lot of fun, you know, with that. But what I want to do is I want to start making sure that probably almost like every time I do a podcast now, I just want to go ahead and put out the questions that I'm getting from people so that we can kind of review things together because I, you know, I've, I've said this before. I think you, anybody who remembers it back in school when they would tell you, you know, if you have a question, you know, there's probably five or 10 other people in the classroom that have the same question or whatever. But I really, honestly, I, I love the questions. Please keep them coming in. And I'm, I'm going to put these out there every time that there's a discussion so I can say, Hey, I was talking to somebody in, you know, whatever state, this is what they're experiencing. This is kind of the challenge they're up against. And then, you know, we'll kind of talk through it. So that's kind of a try and do a little bit more of definitely welcome your feedback there. You know, if, if you uh, are listening and you're like, yeah, I don't care. Don't want anything to do with it. I just want to just want the facts. Maybe I mean, block out some dedicated episodes just for some Q and a, right. We'll, we'll figure out whatever makes sense. So now we'll go ahead and jump into a couple of updates here. I guess I'll tell a random story. This this is kind of a cool way to start things. I was on my way to the apiary yesterday, and I pulled into a gas station. I had some gas cans because I knew I was going to be in the RV. I needed some extra gas to run the generator. And I also wanted to make sure I had plenty of gas for my, 
my sawmill because I've got a you know I got a lot of lumber I need to mill in preparation for building hive bodies you know next spring. So I I pulled in I'm you know I got three I think I had three five gallon cans, and I'm towing my trailer with my Kubota tractor, and a gentleman walks up and and he says, uh, "Hey, are you are you local?" And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's going on? Is the guy trying to sell me something? Like, what, you know, does he know me? He didn't look familiar, but he also didn't look threatening. He didn't look like he was shady or anything. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm local here. Why, why do you ask? And he says, well, hey, listen, I see you got this tractor, you know, that you're you're bringing. And, and as soon as I hear that, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. But I'm, I'm open-minded, and I said, uh-huh. And he says, well, yeah, you know, my... My father-in-law, um, his horse just died, and he doesn't, you know, have equipment that he can that he can dig with, and and you know he's trying to find people, and and I mean he's willing to pay, you know he just he just doesn't have you know anybody who can come out and, and help him, you know, get this horse buried. Now when he said father-in-law, and I saw the age of this guy, I kind of had this mindset, you know, I was thinking this guy's probably around seventy years old or so, so. I tell the guy, I'm like, look, give me his number. I'll, you know, I'll give him a ring tomorrow. We'll figure something out. So I wake up this morning. I give the guy a ring and I just say, hey, you know, I bump into your son-in-law. So, you know, talk to me. What do you got? You know, what's going on? And I couldn't charge the guy. He asked me, he says, you know, how much, how much are you going to charge me for this to, you know, to help dig this, uh, this hole for his horse? And I just, I thought about my granddad was in the army years ago. And uh, he was in China, Burma, and India during World War II, and he was a veterinarian. He took care of the horses, mules, donkeys, you know, everything. If it had four legs and was walking, it was his. You know, my dad grew up and had horses around the house, and there's just something. There's something about a horse, man. I don't – they got that big – you know, those eyes are just so big, and you just look at them, and you just feel like there's something there that is smart, and it's – engaging you and it's looking at you. I don't know. I, there's just something about horses. I don't know what it is, but I, I couldn't charge the guy. I said, no, I'm uh, let me just come out there and help you out, you know, give you a hand. And so that was my morning. I, uh, I went over, I took my mini excavator over and uh, we were able to get the, the old boy in the ground. And uh, he was 33 years old. I think the, the gentleman said, so it was nice to be a, be a part of that and, and help out with that. It kind of a, Weird way of getting there, but it was it was kind of a cool thing. Uh, next thing I, I'll jump into here is my other drama for today. So first off, I want to go on record as saying that the the FedEx freight people were, were actually really really good. I I'm completely open to criticizing a company that's that's not you know not doing the right thing. But the FedEx freight guys were super cool today. Uh, I got a call. I had I had so much B hardware coming in. And they had called me last week and said, "Hey, your stuff's here." And I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. I'll pick it up. You know, I'll pick it up next week." And I forgot about it with the horse thing. I completely forgot. So the young lady over at FedEx Freight calls today and says, "Hey, um, when are you gonna get your stuff?" And I was like, "Oh crap! I didn't. I didn't even remember that at all." And so now I'm trying to, you know, hustle and figure that out. And she says, "Well, just so you know, I mean, we'll hold it for you. We're gonna, we're not gonna leave you hanging, but..." You know, it's usually a 72-hour thing. Like, we, we don't really hold things longer than that. So I was like, oh, crap. So uh, I get the horse thing wrapped up, bring my excavator back to the property, and I, I head to the FedEx facility. And what I thought I was getting from Man Lake, 
according to the FedEx person I spoke with a week ago or whatever, was six pallets. What Man Lake sent me was like, it was definitely six pallets, but they were like eight or nine feet tall and they were massive. And I really, really did not have the ability with the trailer I had to get all that gear. So long story short, I made multi-hour trips. I guess round trip, it's about an hour and 50 minutes or whatever. So I did two trips, got a ton of stuff in. So over the next week, I'm building a lot of hive bodies and uh, getting things prepped up. Um, got so much going on with all that. But so, so I got a bunch of equipment that I got to put together. That That's part of my... Uh, my activities in the coming week here. Let me go ahead right here. I'll, I'll pause real quick. We'll take a break and then we'll jump into some of the other things I want to talk about. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, Get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, so I wanted to talk about social media. Going back, I don't know, it was probably early last year. At some point last year, I kind of had a social media meltdown. I just got tired of everything. I just get, there's so much divisiveness. There's so many people that are trying to focus all their energy on keeping people divided. I just completely, I deleted everything. I went, I mean, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, like all of it. I just got rid of everything last year. And now I'm in a position where I can, I I can now create something that is relevant to people that has nothing to do with opinions or politics or, or or whatever, you know, ideologies or anything. It's just, here's honeybees, here's what they do, right? Now, I, I recognize that at some point in time, I will start getting the emails or the messages that are like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you're wrong here, or whatever, like, okay, I get it. But at least I'm not getting into arguments with people that I love or have known for 20 years and care about just because of all this divisiveness going on with the the country is it's a disaster so anyway we are completely socialized and um, I give the credit to my two younger daughters they have jumped in and gotten everything squared away 
I think I created a Facebook page and I set up a YouTube account. So I'm, I'm getting to the point now where we have things kind of coming together. We have a link tree set up so you can just go right to the link tree and you can see links to the beekeeping for newbies website, the podcast links, all that stuff is in there. Now I'm at a point where I can actually start creating some content. So I am, like I said before, I'm here at the apiary. I'm going to be doing a video. And I, I also need to thank uh, Kristen for this because she's the one who hit me up in an email and said, Hey, so um, be kind of nice to see some pictures of some of the stuff you're talking about. Right. And I, I completely get that. Right. I'm a visual person myself. You can talk all day long about what a hive body looks like or what a frame looks like. But if you, if you can't put your eyes on it, it just doesn't make sense. So I wanted to thank her because she's the one that kind of got me a little kickstart there and got me motivated to get this stuff put together. We will start putting out some more regular content there as well. Like I said, that's a lot of what I'm doing here. Uh, in the next couple of days, I have a couple of like high priority tasks I got to do. Uh, around the property here. They're just things that have to get done. But one of the things I will be doing is putting together some videos on the specifics of the hive configurations that we've discussed in the past. So the two frame, four frame, five frame, you know, the double stacked nukes versus the divided nukes versus the traditional 10 frame. I'm going to just kind of line all these up and um, just walk through them and put something together and get it out hopefully in the next few days. All right, so I'm going to jump in here and talk about a couple of the emails that I've gotten from some listeners. Okay, so I got a message here from Colin with regard to recommended brands or types of outerwear, any online beekeeping courses, also mentioned having the, the Beekeeping for Dummies book, any other recommended reading. So what I would say, let's just kind of knock these down in order here. So the first thing is outerwear. Uh, I definitely recommend... You know, uh, starting out with something that's going to give you complete coverage. Right right now at this early phase when you're first starting, it's all about building confidence. You have to gain confidence in what you're doing and start to know that you're doing it right and that you're seeing the results you're expecting. And then as you become more comfortable and then the bees become comfortable with you and your behaviors, then you start peeling things off, right? So I recommend in general, I hate to, I hate to do this by price, but it's, it's really difficult. If you're searching on price alone for bee gear and you say, oh, look, there's this, this full suit for 30 bucks, it's probably going to be really thin. And you need to have something that is going to be thick and hot, unfortunately, but it's going to give you a lot of protection. And when I say hot, I, one thing I will recommend, you definitely want to have, you know, obviously you want to have, socks on and things like that for me but when I wear the full suit if I have to wear the full suit in the summer if there's a lot of activity going on around multiple hives or we're doing it moving around doing splits or there's just a ton of bees that could get agitated I'm, I'm wearing shorts I've got shorts and a t-shirt underneath and that's it you know don't bulk up don't wear a whole bunch of you know jeans and a sweatshirt and you know you don't, you don't have to do that just get a good quality suit Look for a suit that has that it's it's thick. Check reviews on it. Uh, I would say though, really somewhere like in that eighty to hundred dollar range would probably be a baseline starting point. And you can you know, it's like everything else you do, right? You can spend as much as you want. But I think that you know, Man Lake, and I go back to Man Lake a lot, right? Because they're one of the bigger suppliers in the nation. They do a pretty good job on a lot of different areas. They're price competitive. I mean, yeah, you can go to Amazon and find stuff, but 
I don't know, man. Like the service over there is really good. I've called them on the phone. I've talked to them. Pat and Heather over there are good people. So uh, anyway, I recommend getting something that is good quality from a reputable supplier, probably in that at least $80, $90, range, full suit. The next thing I recommend is this is where I think you can go cheap. This is what I've done is your Amazon pullover top where it's basically it's a veil and it's long sleeve and has an elastic waistband. You just kind of pull down around your waist and that's all you need. It is very thin. You can get stung through it, right? It's almost more to me personally. It's really more just the veil. Uh, That's, that's all. I mean, the, if you, if you agitate a hive or you have an aggressive colony, they are going to sting through that, but it's so much better. When I went to just wearing a pair of like cargo pants or I wear a lot of those like tactical pants or things, you know, so tactical pants, cargo pants, whatever. And that pullover, I can do inspections for hours in the summertime and I'm fine. Try the same thing with that full suit. Not going to happen. But as a new beekeeper, if you've only got one, two, three, five colonies, you're going to be okay. Put the full suit on, do your thing, get that confidence and then start branching out. So I definitely recommend the full suit. I like those lightweight pullovers, but I also recommend, um, you know, and, and again, all this comes down to your, your financial ability. If you do nothing else, invest in one good quality suit, full suit, and then you can look at other things. But I like, there's one at Man Lake right now. I want to say it's around $80, $90 maybe. And it's just a you know regular pullover, but it's a nice thick top with a veil, and that's perfect. I'd like to have something like that for myself. I just don't have it yet. So I'm still using, I think it's 18 or 19 bucks on Amazon. That's that's what I use 90-plus percent of the time, and it's it's working fine for me. Now, when I, like I said, when I'm getting into the real heavy activities that involve a lot of bees, a lot of movement, a lot of vibration, and things banging around, then I go to the full suit. And the full suit that I use is one that I bought from Man Lake. The next part of Colin's question is courses. I've used YouTube for years. And if you, you know, you search around, you'll start to, it's like whatever else you want to look at, right? You start to find the people who you think are providing content that you like and that is relevant and they seem to know what they're doing and you just kind of stick with them. So I've mentioned these guys before, but I'll mention them again. And um, I would say in no particular order, I think they're all very qualified people. If you look at the University of Guelp, G-U-E-L-P-H, they're in Ontario, Canada. There's a guy there named Paul Kelly who appears to be kind of running the program from what I can see. I love their content. They usually do these 10 to 15-minute videos. They work a lot with the Buckfast bees. They do some really, really cool stuff. They're very, they're very, very skilled. I, I, I always, I, I've watched a couple of videos from them just about a week ago, so it's really, really good content. The next thing I recommend is Barnyard Bees. There's David at Barnyard Bees. I've never, again, I've mentioned this before. I haven't met the guy. I've never talked to him. But, you know, they seem like good people. I have bought package bees from them in the past. And uh, they're down in Georgia. He puts out a lot of good content as well. And then one of my my favorites is the uh, Canadian Beekeepers blog. Just search for that in YouTube. But those would be my top three for, like, regular content, for just regular updates and information and almost any topic you can think of these guys are talking about it and the cool thing with it is you're getting different perspectives right the the beekeepers in georgia florida mississippi louisiana that's a different experience from you know vermont montana north dakota 
Canada. So I think it's really important to kind of understand just how different it is in different regions. And also, this is, again, I keep I say it every time, I'm going to keep harping on this, getting into a local bee club, becoming a member, talking to people, asking questions, because there's going to be somebody there, right? I mean, unless it's a brand new club with one founding member or something like that, there's going to be multiple people there who are going to be able to point you in the right direction and tell you seasonally what to expect. Like, okay, hey, we're coming up into June. This is what we should expect for June. And, and you know, July and August, we should see this. And then we've got the fall flow. And this is what our fall flow usually looks like. So those are invaluable resources. As far as books go, I think you already mentioned, or we talked about uh, beekeeping for dummies. I started with that book. It was decent. Uh, there's some things in there I thought were kind of useless, but it was definitely a good starting point. I have a bunch of the Brother Adam books. And these were, well, that's mentioned one more, Michael Palmer. If you search for Michael Palmer... He is a French Hill apiary, I think it's called, out of Vermont. He's been keeping bees for probably 30 years. There are multiple Michael Palmer videos on YouTube. Definitely check those out. He talks about queen rearing and a sustainable apiary and all these different strategies and things. It's just a really, really sharp guy. Many years of beekeeping experience. He's a great resource. As far as other books go, though, I have... I don't even remember, honestly. I have four or five of them, and one of them is like, you know, beekeeping at Buckfast Abbey. One of them is queen rearing in the sustainable apiary. What I will do is I will track these books down. I know they're, they're actually sitting on my nightstand because I used to climb into bed, and I would try to read a few minutes um, when I was getting ready for the— this was like kind of like my preseason, right, when it was like January, February, of, you know, like a couple of years ago. I was getting all amped up and excited, and I, you know, pull my book out, start reading before bedtime to kind of get, you know, get uh, get myself in the zone for the spring. So I will track these down and I'll put them somewhere. Whether it's on one of the social media things, I'll update it. Probably put it on Facebook as like the you know my recommended reading or something like that. We'll figure it out. So let's see here. I think we kind of covered things with Colin, um, and I've got. Kristen, we're going to get her video done here this week, so we'll get her updated. And there is one more with Zach. So Zach has two colonies. There's a couple of questions I probably should have asked him, and I did not. But Zach is a first-year beekeeper. He got a couple of colonies given to him by someone locally. They're both in 10-frame deeps. So here's the problem that was, was going on with Zach. He had a... Uh, an inspection recently noticed that a couple of the frames were only filled about halfway with capped brood, no larvae or eggs, and he thinks that the queen is dead. Uh, there was a second inspection done, same kind of thing, right? No signs of the queen, but he saw a queen cell. So my recommendation to him was what I believe may have happened is, you know, he, he has a colony that he inherited, so there's some things that he may not know about the colony. But it's very possible that that queen may have been a few years old. It was time for her to super to be superseded. Or maybe there was some kind of a problem, injury, whatever the case may be. The colony may have recognized, hey, it's time for you to go. And they created a new queen. So my advice to him was, you have a queen cell. That's awesome. Leave it alone. Let that queen emerge. Let her go get mated and come back. In that case, if you see a queen cell, you're probably going to have a hatching within a week. It'll take about a week for the queen to become mated and start laying eggs. So he's probably about 40-plus days out from having any you know new workers to replace those that are, have just aged out. 
But it's it's kind of a vulnerable time that we're coming into, right? Depending on again, he's down in the south, down you know the southern part of the of the states in the U.S. So you really got to know your nectar flow and know what's going on. You may need to supplemental feed because you have a big gap in the brood cycle here, right? I mean, there's there's some brood that are going to be born around the same time as that queen is being born. And then, again, you're two weeks away from having her laying eggs, and then you're probably another three weeks. So he's realistically about five weeks out from getting any new workers. So this is where you want to make sure the uh, colony has the resources it needs, whether it's, you know, sugar syrup or, or, you know, a um, synthetic pollen or whatever. Again, you have to know your nectar flow and know what's going on, you know, in your area. And another question that Zach had mentioned was, you know, should he take a, a cell or a, a frame of brood from his stronger hive and then move it over to the weaker one to kind of help give it a boost? So this is kind of a it's, a, it's a loaded question in a lot of different ways because it's it's kind of like, um, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. You have to ask yourself a lot of questions. So one of them would be, I have a weak colony. Why is the colony weak? Is the colony weak because there was some kind of catastrophic event? Is it weak because there's been really bad weather and they weren't able to get out and forage? Are they weak because they have a bad queen? You know, is that queen genetically inferior? And that's why the colony is weak. Do they have a disease, illness, anything that could be causing them to not be productive that is an exterior influence of some sort? So whether it be, you know, Varroa, Nosema, you know, um, chalk brood, any kind of anything that could be going on inside the colony. These are the, the kind of like the detective work that you have to do to figure out. If you take a frame, and, and like I said, roughly, I think we, we uh, talked about it a couple weeks back, but there's that gentleman, uh, his first name was Devin, but I mentioned it, I think it was two episodes ago, where he actually kind of did the math. He counted all the cells and figured out how many, you know, how many eggs there should be per frame. And I think it was a little over 7,000 eggs per frame. So you take a frame of brood from a really strong colony and you drop it off into a weak colony. So let's talk about what that's going to look like. The colony that is really, really strong just lost 7,000 plus brand new workers. And that means that those who are really trying to graduate out of nurse bee life and they're trying to move on to other roles and, and they're getting to the point in their life where they need to get out and start foraging and doing other things. So when you take that frame of say, you know 7,000 plus bees from a strong colony, you've now eliminated all of these new workers that are, that are going to come in. So you know the workers who are moving from their role as nurse bees, moving up into other roles and ultimately becoming foragers, you're taking a massive, massive hit on those bees because now somebody else still has to be around to tend to the brood. So that means they're not foraging. And, I mean, it's a three-week cycle. So it's going to take three weeks to replace that frame. Now, here's the flip side to that. One of the best ways to reduce a colony's urge to swarm is to either split the colony or take some bees out, give them more space. I usually do a combination of this in the spring, and there's some other dynamics to this that we'll talk about later on. But I will do a combination. I usually add honey supers to give them space to put put honey. And that's when I'll grab sometimes one, two, even three frames of, of brood out and move them over and create a split or create a nuke 
from that. And that helps to give them even more space, reduces the uh, this massive explosion of bees that you have. And usually by the time I'm doing that, the bulk of the, of the nectar that has been brought in that ultimately will become honey, most of it's been collected. So because you have that big surge in the you know April May time frame, so just make sure that you're you're taking the time to really look at the colony and understand what you're doing before you you know take from a strong and give to a weaker one. F- make sure you're figuring out what the cause is that root cause because you don't want to waste those resources. I have done that before. I've taken a a frame of brood and dropped it into a weaker colony to help them out. And they did nothing with it. It was completely useless. It, it weakened the, the larger colony and the the smaller colony that was already weak. There was something wrong. And whatever it was, that frame of brood did not correct it. There's another question I had from, from Jesse, and I uh, wanted to cover this one too. He asked about mice. He said, hey, what's your experience with mice? Can you talk about that? So I have never had a mouse in a hive. But... I think it's important to note that up until this year, all of my colonies have been in suburban areas. So yes, there are mice in suburbs. I believe that it might be more prevalent here in the rural setting. And uh, so I'll tell you what I've done. And I did this for several years. And then I would notice that I did it on some hives, didn't do it on others, and it didn't seem to make a difference, and I stopped. But I would get the hardware cloth, that had the, if I remember correctly, I think they're like one quarter inch squares. And, you know, hardware cloth is usually like, for example, if you want to keep bees inside their colony, use number eight hardware cloth. So it's eight squares per inch. I think this would be something like, it might be two, number two or number four. I'm not sure a hardware cloth. But basically what you'll do is take a piece that is the width of the entrance the height on them is usually about three quarters of an inch. So I would double that, go to about an inch and a half and you cut it to that size and then squeeze it down. You know, just from the left and the right, squeeze it down all the way across so that it almost comes out to be like about a 30 degree angle or so and put the bent edge in to the front entrance of the hive. And what that does then is it allows the bees to come and go, but the mice can't get in. So that's a quick and easy way to, to address that yourself. There are commercial mouse guards that you can buy, and it's just a thing you put across the front. I've never used one, so I'm guessing maybe you nail it down. I don't know for sure. But they're available, and you can put a mouse guard on the front. And I think it has different slides you can open if you want to have you know less or more openings for the bees to come in and out. That certainly is an option, too. I don't have a lot of good information on that one because I haven't experienced it myself. Definitely read about it and have seen things, but I've seen... I guess where a colony had, uh, there's an image I saw online a long time ago, but where a colony had basically propolized a dead mouse and it was just, they just completely, I guess they had maybe got, they maybe attacked her and then, and then propolized her and that was it. She was mummy's mouse for life. All right, folks, I'm going to wrap things up today. Again, just kind of a quick recap. Thank you so much for all the positive feedback reviews. Please feel free to email me, Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. I will be, doing more, you know, of the listener emails and trying to get that information out for everybody to uh, to kind of try and learn from. And I am actively working right now on the original episode that I had teed up and it was it was around uh, expectations, what what you can expect for your colony this year in year 1. And we're going to talk about that from a, both a package B and a nuke standpoint as well. So I've got most of that content teed up. I will try to get that 
out this week as well. And y'all take care. Be kind to one another. And uh, we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.